there are genes that increase the risk of getting diabetes and it runs in families, just mm -hmm. as you said. But um, genes are not destiny. In other words, you might have genes, but you don't ever get the disease. You might have diabetes in your parents. You don't have to get it if you mm. change the way you live. You're listening to Healthline, where you receive inspiring messages and helpful health tips. For over two decades, Modern Mana has empowered individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle, from health expos and detox programs to TV and radio shows. If you are ready to improve your health, then let's get started. In 1985, Dr. Bernard established the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine to promote preventative medicine, conduct clinical research, and advocate for a higher ethical standard in research. Dr. Bernard's articles have appeared in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And in 2015, he was named a fellow of the American College of Cardiology. And he received the American College of Lifestyle Medicine's Trailblazer Award in 2016. Now, Dr. Bernard, he is also a New York Best Time author and has written over 17 books that I'm aware of, including Dr. Barnard's Program for Reversing Diabetes. And if any of you haven't read this book, I recommend you pick up a copy today. And I'll leave a link in the description below so you can pick up a copy. Now, we were blessed to have Dr. Bernard in 2004 as a keynote presenter at our health event in Lodi, California. And his presentation was entitled, Breaking the Food Seduction. So again, Dr. Bernard, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the show today. I know you're a really busy man, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, it's nice to be with you today. Thank you. Now, I know throughout your years of research and looking into diabetes, you've been able to research and also uncover a lot of information to help those who are affected by diabetes. As I was looking a little bit into diabetes, what I found was, according to the 2017 National Diabetes Statistic Report, 100 million U.S. adults are now living with diabetes or pre-diabetes, and that's about one in four adults. And based on these statistics, we really have an epidemic on our hands. So Dr. Barnard, what do you believe are some of the causes or the culprits to this disease that is affecting so many people today? Yeah, well, it's a great question. Um, we're seeing diabetes exploding. Uh, we're having it more than ever before, and not only in the US, but also in many other countries. Uh, we're just seeing this gradual explosion. And in a word, cheeseburgers. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the kind of uh, diet that has uh, been growing in the United States over year, uh, over many years, and is now being exported to many other countries, uh, is really causing this. Um, and the reason I emphasize this, the reason it's important, is some people will say it must be sugar. Mm. Um, I'm having too much sugar, and that's causing diabetes. And you can understand why people would would think that diabetes does mean there's too much sugar in your blood. So we would think, okay, uh, I got that because I'm eating sugar. But what we found is it's much more complex than that. Um, sugar is not the cause, um, but uh, a Western type diet really is the cause. And hopefully um, in our discussion today, we'll be able to describe why that is. I've come across quite a few individuals, and I, I'm sure you have as well, who say, well, there's really nothing I can do about my diabetes because you know I have diabetes, my father has diabetes, 
my grandfather and my great-grandfather is just genetic. There's nothing I could do about it. There are genes that increase the risk of getting diabetes, and it runs in families, just mm -hmm. as you said. But um, genes are not destiny. In other words, you might have genes, but you don't ever get the disease. You might have diabetes in your parents. You don't have to get it if you mm. change the way you live. And uh, number one is food. We also give them recipes and food habits. And so that's what you're often seeing run through families. So let me describe um, what I was hinting at earlier about the cause of this disease. And you can see how you can easily change this. Um, the reason that sugar builds up in the blood is because it's not going where it's supposed to go. Sugar mm. is the fuel for your muscle cells. It's the fuel for your liver cells. In the same way that gasoline powers your car, sugar power powers the cells of your body. And so if you don't have sugar going in there, you get into trouble. But let's say I have a cheeseburger for, for lunch, or I have a whole bunch of greasy French fries. The grease, the fat from these foods gets into the cells, and as it builds up fat inside your muscle cells, and as it builds up, it stops insulin from working. Um, mm. Just like if you had a front door lock that was filled with chewing gum, your key doesn't work anymore. If you've got uh, cells filled with fat, uh, insulin doesn't work anymore. It also happens in the liver. And the reason we know that's true is with magnetic resonance spectroscopy, which is a very complex scanner, we can actually see the fat in your cells. Really? And so the reason, yes, the reason that people end up with fat in their cells is because they were eating it. Um, mm. And Americans eat more cheese than they ever have eaten in history. Um, and it's 70% fat that packs into their cells and such as cheese. It's lots of other foods. So food is really the culprit, especially fat. And that really makes me think of the craze diet out there right now, the ketogenic diet. What are your thoughts on that as far as diabetes? I mean, it's a fat-based diet. Um, well, the ketogenic diet is based on a, a rather naive idea that sugar causes diabetes. So if I just don't eat sugar, it'll get oh, go away. Or if I don't eat carbohydrates, it'll go away. And you actually will see some short-term improvements because um, let's say a person follows that diet. If you're not eating any bread or any potatoes or any sweet potatoes or any beans or any spaghetti or any cake or any cookies or sodas or fruit or anything like that, if you're leaving all that out, your chances are you're gonna lose weight. Mm. Um, the second thing that happens, that those are the, the main foods that, foods that provide glucose. So your blood sugar will fall just because you're not eating anything that has blood sugar in it. And so a person thinks, wow, this is great. I'm losing weight and, and my blood sugar is falling. Isn't this wonderful? Um, but the, the, there's several problems with it. Um, the first problem is that um, that weight loss is usually temporary because life without bread and sweet potatoes and fruit and all these healthy foods, uh, life uh, gets rather dull and horrible and people want to come back to these healthy foods, they bring them back in, and then suddenly they're eating the normal number of calories and then their weight problems are as bad as they ever were before. Um, second thing is if you take those healthy foods out, what you're left with is, as you said, fatty foods. You're left with meat and gravy. Um, and normally when people lose weight, by whatever means their cholesterol levels will fall, but about one in third keto dieters, one in every three keto dieters, their cholesterol rises because of all really? that meat they're eating. Um, and if you look at these people over the long run, they die. Their mortality is higher than for other people. There's no reason to follow that kind of diet. Plus, that's not the reason for your diabetes anyway. Um, if you look at people in Japan in 1950 and 1960, before burgers came in, they were skinny. They ate a huge amount of carbohydrate in the form of rice. They didn't have diabetes. Um, carbohydrate wasn't, wasn't in it, their issue. 
And then as cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets and, and so forth came in, diabetes came into, into the world. So I would not follow a keto diet. I'd recommend against it. Um, mm. And a vegan diet is way better. Yeah. So I think so many times people are focused on the short-term results and they're not thinking of the long-term. So what I'm hearing you share is long-term, it is not a benefit for your body whatsoever. There are a lot of people who don't get any benefit from it at all. Um, there are a, a lot of whom who very rapidly, their cholesterol levels rise quickly. Um, there are a bunch who get terrible constipation or they smell from um, the ketosis that they get. You know, um, almost everybody who does it ends up being kind of regretting that they did it. Really? Really? Man. Sure. I mean, you, you, you take 100 keto dieters and ask them after a year, how are you doing with it? And very few are really pleased that it worked out well. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Now, Dr. Bernard, I was just reading an article that came out, I think it was a few days ago from Times Magazine. And it was talking about how researchers and some scientists, they were looking at eggs specifically. And what their findings were, was that the cholesterol and dietary cholesterol doesn't raise our total cholesterol in our body. Can you dispel that myth? Yes. Um, let me give you an analogy. If, if you consume sugar, like in a soda, does some of that sugar get into your blood? Obviously, mm. yes. If you consume cholesterol, like the cholesterol in an egg yolk, does some of that cholesterol get into your blood? Yes. Um, everybody is different, but on average, about half of the cholesterol that you eat passes through into your bloodstream and it adds to the cholesterol that's already there. Um, what I'm describing is not controversial. What scientists have said correctly is that the effect uh, of dietary cholesterol, like from egg yolk, um, the effect of, of that cholesterol on your blood cholesterol is not as bad as the cholesterol from animal fat or particular to more specific saturated fat. So mm. saturated fat is a big driver. Dietary cholesterol is a smaller driver, um, but you don't want either one. Um, half of Americans die of heart attacks. Yeah. Um, you, don't want, you don't want to be eating cholesterol. You don't want to be eating animal fat. You want to throw that out. And um, your, your body is designed for a plant-based diet. Now, I was not raised on a plant-based diet. I came sort of late to the game. Mm -hmm. But the evidence is overwhelmed. That's the healthy way to go. Now, since we're talking about food, I know in 2004, your presentation, Breaking the Food Seduction, you were specifically looking at foods and the addictive aspects that people can have with them, specifically cheese. Can you share a little bit regarding that? Yeah. Um, when people go to a healthy diet, very often the food they miss the most is cheese. You know, it's 70% fat. If there are opiate chemicals in cheese. They're called casomorphins. Mm. The name comes from casein. Casein is the milk protein. And when casein goes down your digestive tract, it breaks apart to release uh, narcotic chemicals. They're small, they're small molecules and they attach to the same receptors on the brain that heroin or morphine would attach to. They're not as strong as morphine. Uh, the, strong, the strongest one has about one-tenth the brain binding power compared to pure morphine. So it's not strong enough to get you arrested but it's just strong enough for you to like cheese. Um, and it's a brain effect. Uh, yeah. The problem is that cheese is 70% fat. So cheese is a big reason for obesity and increased cholesterol levels and all kinds of other problems. Yeah. How interesting. How interesting. I know throughout the years I've watched that presentation over and over and I continue to glean more and more information. So that was a fabulous presentation. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. So individuals who have, you know, adopted this plant-based diet, they said, okay, the fat is one of the main culprits. I've eliminated the fat. 
are there any restrictions as far as how much food they're eating? Do they need to be mindful um, as far as dietary restrictions? Um, if a person has diabetes and they want to reverse it, I would give them three rules. The first rule is throw away the animal products. Just mm. don't, eat, don't eat things from an animal at all. That means no meat, no, no fish, uh, no dairy products, no eggs. The second guideline is that we want to keep oils really low. So if at the moment you're putting a lot of grease in your fry pan, I would suggest that you either fry it in a dry pan or steam things or bake or, or um, if you're sauteing things, you can saute in vegetable oil or something like that. As you can imagine, when you're having no animal products, there's no animal fat anymore. If you're keeping oils low, there's not a lot of fat of any kind. Mm -hmm. And that allows the fat inside your cells to dissipate and allows the diabetes to improve or sometimes go away. So first rule, avoid animal products. Second rule, keep oils really low. Third rule, choose healthy carbohydrates. Really? Um, and what I mean by that is that uh, grains and beans and so forth are all are good, but some of them are really gentle on your blood sugar, and those are the ones we want to pick. So if I have wheat bread, that will tend to make my blood sugar rise more than rye or pumpernickel. So I'm going to push mm. rye or pumpernickel. Um, sweet potatoes, despite the fact they're sweet, tend to be more gentle on your blood sugar than a white potato. So that's a, a good choice. If you have a cold cereal, like these ones for kids that have toys inside, those are going to raise your blood sugar probably. So oatmeal or bran cereal is a better choice. Uh, if you're having sugar itself because you like a sweet flavor, mm -hmm. have fruit. Fruit is, despite the fact that it's sweet, it's more gentle on your blood sugar. So that's the third rule. Choose the healthy carbohydrates. So no animal products, keep oils low, choose healthy carbohydrates. But no, we're not having a calorie limit. We're not um, setting a limit on carbs. And uh, exercise is good. I would add exercise to this. Mm -hmm. But if you're unable to exercise for whatever physical reason, uh, you, could, you will still benefit from this dietary change. You'll benefit enormously. Really? So diet is really the key here. And I know for a lot of people who may be listening, this may be new information as far as fat is kind of the main key here. So I know you did a 14-day study. And a lot of the information you've already shared you incorporated in that. What were some of the stories as far as patients that you had assisted? Uh, we have lots, lots and lots of success stories. I wonder if you're thinking about the weight loss study that we did in a, yes. group, of, a group of women over a 14 week period. Um, these were women who uh, were all overweight, moderately to severely overweight. They were all after the age of menopause mm -hmm. um, and they all felt stuck like their metabolism was no good. And I just can't lose weight no matter what I do. Um, so um, we actually split them into two groups as a randomized trial. One group got a more conventional, quote unquote, healthy diet of more chicken, more fish, uh, but, but generally speaking, not, not so much meat um, and trying to keep oils sort of low. But the experimental diet was completely vegan, vegan and low fat. Yeah. And after 14 weeks, what we saw is that the vegan group lost more weight, substantially more weight. Um, and their, and everything you'd expect to happen happens as their cholesterol levels fall mm -hmm. and they feel a lot better. Uh, what you might not have expected is that they would stick with it. We tracked them for an additional year, and instead of their weight coming back on, they were losing even more weight. And then we tracked them for an, a year after that, and they were skinnier at two years than they were at one year, and skinnier one year than they were at baseline. So um, if, you're, if you're used to trying to starve off the weight, mm -hmm. and after about Wednesday, you're ready to eat the sofa because you're just so hungry, uh, that's not what we're doing. What we are doing is making a qualitative shift toward healthy foods, 
and that allows the body to lose weight. The reason they lose weight is partly because the foods are high in fiber and low in fat. So you, you frankly are just not getting as many calories as before. Mm. But the other thing is we measured their metabolism, their calorie burning speed, and we found that their metabolism was actually faster um, really? in the after meal period for three or four hours uh, after a meal, your, your metabolism rises. And it rises for everybody, but on the vegan diet, it rises more than it did otherwise. So the reason this diet is so effective and, and the reason vegans tend to be skinny um, uh, on average is because their calorie intake is a little bit less because they're filled, filled up with healthy, fiber-rich foods and because their metabolism is just marginally better than everybody else. Really? Yep. How neat. You know, it's interesting because you hear so many people who say, well, I just have a sluggish metabolism. I can't lose the weight. So if they adopt a plant-based diet, that could completely change for them. Yeah. Well, they probably do have a sluggish metabolism. Yeah. Um, and researchers have tested this. That, uh, researchers um, in Louisiana, researchers in Virginia have actually tested high-fat diets to see what effect they have on metabolism. Mm. It happens really fast. Um, if you go on a high fat diet, uh, let's say you're eating lots of meat and lots of cheese or lots of oil, the, these fatty foods will slow your metabolism within a matter of three to five days. Really? Um, it's, it's that quick. Um, and you come into our center here and we take all those foods out, um, your metabolism will ramp up. Mm. Um, and, and the reason that we know that is, is that we test it. We have indirect calorimetry machinery here. Um, where the patient lies down on a table and you put a, a clear plastic shield over their face. And what we're doing is we can sample their oxygen uh, intake and their carbon dioxide output. So we can tell how much oxygen their body is using. And with very little, um, very simple arithmetic, we can tell what your metabolism is. And it changes. And yeah. it changes hour by hour during the day. But when you're on a vegan diet, it, it overall ramps up. So... No, it doesn't ramp up hugely. Uh, we saw about a 16% rise in the, in the after meal metabolism. So, so uh, it gives you an edge and helps you stay skinny. Hmm. It's amazing how well you can do if you just eat foods right from the garden. Now, I know since we're talking about weight loss and we're talking about diabetes and fat, if there's people out there going, well, what about plant fats? I mean, nuts, seeds, almonds, walnuts, do I have to worry about those? Um, I think if you're a skinny person already and you don't have diabetes, I would say an ounce a day of, of walnuts or almonds or something like that would be good. Um, mm -hmm. If you're battling a weight problem or if you've got diabetes that you're, and I'm trying to get the fat out of your cells, I would suggest setting them aside for the moment. Oh, really? So, yeah, for, the, for that person, I would suggest keeping them aside. Uh, nuts, seeds, uh, guacamole, I'm sorry to break your heart, but those are, those are the fatty foods. Uh, but for somebody skinny like you, um, I, you could have, say, um, maybe an ounce a day of nuts would probably be fine. Mm -hmm. And um, two quick tips. Uh, if you pour some almonds in your hand, uh, in the palm of your hand, it hits your fingers. That's more than an ounce. Oh, really? Um, so that will help you gauge. Yes. And the second thing is don't stick them in your mouth because if you do, you'll fill your palm again. What I would suggest you do instead is pour the almonds into your hand and don't eat them, crumble them up and put them on your cereal. You use them as a flavoring. Don't use them as a food group. And if you do that, you're not going to overdo it. You're, you're going to get the benefit of it without the risk of, you know, a lot of folks, they don't even go through a whole can of peanuts or something like that in an afternoon. And the fat content is so high that you're going to end up gaining weight. So oh, really? don't get me wrong. The, the quality of fat in, in 
almonds or walnuts is dramatically better than the quality of, of fat in bacon. Um, it's not so much saturated fat, it's more of the healthy omega-3s. But, but the, the amount that you can get is way too high uh, really? with regard to your weight or your diabetes, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've always looked at nuts and I, I said, you know, no wonder why they're in a shell because you can't just plow through them like any other food. You have to sit there and crack them one at a time. I've met individuals who adopted a plant-based diet and they still struggle with not being able to lower their diabetes. Mm -hmm. what, is, what is usually the case? Is it, is it the fat? They're just continuing to eat too much fat usually? Um, I would go back to basics. Um, yeah. I, would, I would make sure there's no animal products in your diet. Uh, once in a while, you'll have a person who has, has trouble. And so you write down everything you eat and you discover um, that there's usually some fatty food in there somewhere. Mm. Oh, really? I didn't realize that cheese was an animal product. What? Um, or they're you know, going through um, a lot of oil added to their food, something like that. Those are usually the issues. And once we solve that, um, they're going to get back on track. Mm. The third rule is the glycemic index. That's where I was talking about sweet potatoes instead of white potatoes. Um, sweet potatoes are gentler on your blood sugar. That means they have a better glycemic index. Um, that's something you can plug in too but I typically don't find that people go too far off with that when they pay attention to, to healthy foods. It's usually either some animal uh, contraband has come into their diet or maybe an oily food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how interesting. You know, when we were younger, my father would play a game with us because we were raised on a plant-based diet. And he would say, you know, let's go around the room and let's start with A. And if, see if we can name all of the foods, all of the plant foods that start with A, and then we'd go to B, and then we'd go to C, and then we'd go to the following letter. And he'd say, our neighbor down the street, what are they eating for dinner? Beef or chicken, beef or chicken. <laughs> so he said, you know, the variety, isn't, <laughs> the variety isn't there like what you have with your plant foods. So I think that's an amazing message that you've been sharing with us. What research would you say would be the biggest breakthrough today if it were to be designed or discovered? Um, there are so many things. Now, happily, there's a lot of research been done already. The number one killer of Americans is heart disease. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dean Ornish, who is just really a medical genius, and you know his work, he showed that you can reverse heart disease with a combination of things. Healthy plant-based diet, modest exercise, like half hour walk every day, no smoking, managed stress, um, that's terrific. And, and frankly, I think he's just uh, broken through that uh, in a wonderful way. Uh, the number two killer is cancer. Um, and I think we need a lot more research on um, how foods can affect cancer. We have abundant evidence that diet plays a major role in the major forms of cancer, particularly hormone-related cancers like breast cancer or prostate cancer, as well as the digestive cancers like colorectal cancer. What we don't have is a lot of studies of people putting it to work. Now, Dr. Ornish actually did do a, a really innovative study in men with prostate cancer and found that a plant-based diet is very, very helpful for them. Um, I think we need more of that kind of work, mm -hmm. um, and uh, hopefully there'll be more to come. Uh, with regard to diabetes, uh, frankly, I think we've pretty well shown that a plant-based diet is the way to go. Um, our own work, we did a couple of studies with Geico, the, the car insurance company. Um, we've, done, we've implemented this kind of diet all, all over the place and the findings are extremely consistent. Um, where I would like to see some new research is with kids, mm. where kids are getting into trouble 
uh, you know what I'm talking about. The kid's 14 years old and he's already oh, yeah. overweight and might even have a great high blood sugar or, or high blood cholesterol. We're seeing this a lot. Uh, we need creative interventions with families to see how the whole family can turn around to save that kid. Because otherwise, a, a kid who's got those problems in the teen years is an adult who's going to have a disaster. Um, there are other conditions that, that children have. Asthma, for example. We have pretty good um, anecdotal evidence and some research evidence that when kids avoid dairy and perhaps all animal products, asthma improves dramatically, sometimes goes away. Um, but I think we need more research there as well. Mm, yeah. So those are a few areas where I would like to see more studies. Yeah, I think, I think that's fabulous. Absolutely. You know, my wife, she's a registered dietitian and she actually interned at PCRM. Great. And she works locally in our town and she has a lot of kids that come in with their families and the parents always say, oh, my child eats so much junk food. I don't, I don't know what to do with him. And the child is obese. And she always asks the parent, well, who's the one doing the shopping here? Is it you or is it your little 14 year old child? And um, I think it really puts it into perspective that it has to be a whole change for the family, not just the child. Right. I strongly agree with you. And in fact, I have, uh, this may sound a little unpopular, yeah. but I, I want to say this. I think parents have to be parents. Mm. What yeah. I mean is um, there are some parents who are a little nervous about uh, limiting what their kids will eat and steering them in a healthful direction, but they really need to do this. And uh, this is not, all, I don't mean only say parents who grew up with an unhealthy diet and they're passing it on to kids. I mean, there are even some parents who might've adopted a healthy diet, maybe a mm. vegan diet themselves but they feel they shouldn't impose it on their children. They want the children to have a choice. And the kid might be four or five or six. Um, and in my view, the parent needs to be a parent. And they have to, kids don't have the knowledge base or the personal restraint to make good choices. And that's why a parent will say, hopefully the parent will say, you can't smoke in this house, mm -hmm. period. period. When you're grown and you live somewhere else, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But in this house, we're not having cigarettes. Every, every parent's comfortable with that. Um, but they're nervous about a food habit that maybe they themselves didn't learn from their parents. Mm. They're nervous about telling their kids that. But my feeling is, wait, wait, be a parent. You have learned that a plant-based diet is good. Model this for your kids and insist on it. Now, it's true you can't fully control what happens at school or at birthdays. Um, but you just do your level best um, to work with the school or pack a lunch and, and give rules to the kids and help them to understand why. And they will embrace it. Children know um, they, they can learn about what's good for their health. Kids, by the time they're six or seven, have learned, I need milk for strong bones. It turns, mm -hmm. out, it turns out not to be true, but they learn these ideas. They can learn that a plant-based diet is good for them. Yeah. Um, and uh, they also kids have a natural affinity for animals. That's natural. It's good. It should not be squashed. Um, it should be supported. A kid who's got a heart should, be, should keep that. A kid who cares about the environment, we should nurture that. So a plant-based diet is good. Um, and the last thing I'll say on this is kids do well with a healthy diet of four food groups. So fruits, vegetables, grains, beans, and they need vitamin B12, as everybody on a vegan diet does. But it's in their Flintstones vitamins or, you know, you can, every multiple vitamin has it. That's a healthy diet. I know growing up as a child, not consuming animal foods, people would always say, well, where are you getting your protein? Where are you getting your calcium? How are you going to thrive and you're going to waste away? And our answer was always, well, where is the cow getting his protein?
where is the chicken that's a vegetarian getting its protein as well? And, you know, I'm happy to be 31 years old and I am not protein deficient. I haven't met anybody on a plant-based diet who's protein deficient. So I certainly believe that a plant-based diet is the best approach for overall health. Um, you're absolutely right. Let, let's, say if, let's say you might eat maybe 2,000 calories a day. That, that's a good average. That's probably about, about how much, much food you eat. If you ate, no, and I know you eat no meat or chicken or fish, yeah. let's say you're only eating vegetables and your average person might think there's no, no protein in there, is there? Um, if you ate only broccoli, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you would get 146 grams of pure protein. The government says you only need about 56 grams. You're getting 90 extra grams. You're getting two or three times the protein you actually need. If you did it with lentils, you get 157 grams of, of pure protein. So the, all these food groups, the bean group, the vegetable group, the grain group, and even a little bit in the fruit group, they have protein. So you're not going to get protein deficient. But the, but the one thing I do want people to think about is B12. It's super easy to get it in, in a B12 supplement or a multiple vitamin. But if you get that, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Dr. Bernard, I know you're a busy man. One last question. If somebody is listening to this information for the first time, where's the first place that they could start to incorporate this type of a lifestyle or even reverse their diabetes? I know your website is pcrm.org. pcrm.org. And we have a Kickstart program there. It's called the 21 Day Vegan Kickstart. And can I show you something that's just brand new? Absolutely. This is my new book that just came out. It's awesome. called the, the, the Vegan Starter Kit. Um, and the reason I've written a lot of books, as you mentioned in the introduction, but the reason that I wrote the vegan starter kit is I wanted something for a person who thinks I'm a little nervous about this. Where do I start? But it, it doesn't require hours of study. You can read this. It's the short skinny little book, um, that you can get on Amazon or anywhere, but the vegan starter kit in 45 minutes, you will know what to eat. Uh, all the questions like protein and calcium and B12 are answered. I've even got uh, lots of recipes to get you started, but it's a really, really simple read. And to tell you the truth, I wrote this for, for folks like you, who you might be following a healthy diet yourself, but you want to have something to give to other people so that mm -hmm. they can get started in an easy way. My other books that I write are all like so big and thick, you can prop open a door with them. Um, this, is, this is my simple, easy, quick one. So I'm hoping people will, will buy 20 of them on Amazon and give away 19 to all of their friends who, uh, who need it. Yes. And we will put a link to that book down below. I'm going to have to buy those cop copies of that book myself because yes, I do. I come in contact with so many individuals who say, where do I start? How could yeah. I live? How could I live a lifestyle like you? Where are some of the, the pointers, the basic where I could begin. So thank you. That's awesome. I'm so glad you came out with a book such as that. Good. Well, thank you. Thanks for helping me spread the good word. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Barnard, thank you so much again for coming on this show and sharing the information that you have regarding weight loss, regarding diabetes, and how we could live a healthy, abundant life. So thank you so much. If you'd like to get in contact with what Dr. Barnard is doing, you could head over to PCRM. Org, and we'll leave that link in the notes below as well. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope you have been motivated by this show. To connect with us and receive more information, you can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and modernmana.org. See you next time. <laughs>